All right, all right, guys. Hey, um, hey, we're going to jump in here. Uh, it's hard to make that transition uh, from a video like that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray uh, before, I, before I jump in. And uh, if today's your very first time, if you're watching the video and things like that, um, we are in part three today of a series called uh, Fishing, honestly. And then you feel like, why in the world are you talking about fishing? What we're learning in this series is we are learning how to take the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, to the world, kind of like what we're doing this week at Walkertown. How do you tell somebody about Jesus? How do you share that message, that gospel? And uh, before I jump in uh, this morning, I'm going to pray, uh, and I'm going to pray for something really specifically uh, as, uh, as our church, we're going to join uh, churches all over the country and all over the world, and we're going to pray for Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. Uh, this week, uh, today. As you've heard about, undoubtedly, you've seen on the news what happened there this week. Nine people killed, imagine this, in a Bible study, in church. And it was racially motivated, um, and it was sinful, and it was awful, and we believe that God knew what was going on. God was right there with those people, those people who, who knew Jesus. All nine of those people had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they are with him right now in heaven, and, 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 and here's what I believe, and here's why we're going to join other churches in praying for that situation. It's because, it's because I, I don't know if you've seen the video or watched uh, the, the response of the families when they confronted the, the man who killed their friends and their family members and their loved ones. When they confronted him, did you see what they did? They offered him one forgiveness, and they begged him in a gentle way, in a respectful way, they begged him to give his life to Jesus Christ. And, and listen, if, if there's ever a reminder of why we need to tell the world about Jesus, why, yeah, we've put kind of a cute spin on this series, but if there's ever been a, a reminder of how lost and dark the world is and how much the world needs Jesus, we saw it this week, amen? The world needs Jesus. It does. I don't care if that sounds churchy and I'm a preacher and that sounds preachery, the hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just is. And when those people offered forgiveness and they called him to give his life to Jesus Christ, I mean, media outlets were talking about how, how does that happen? How in the world could that possibly happen? The way that that happens is because God supernaturally does things in our lives that humanly cannot be explained. That's what the gospel does. The gospel changes us and the world sees it and it's blown away by what it sees. So we're gonna pray for that church today as they're having services right now. We're gonna pray for those family members, and we're going to pray for the entire body of Christ because Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15 says that Jesus, when we give our lives to him, he tears down every wall of hostility, and it says that he creates in himself one new man. And really practically, what that means is that, and hear me on this, racism has no place at all in the church of Jesus Christ, period. It is sinful, it is of the devil, and one day when Jesus returns and casts all of his enemies into hell, he will cast racism into hell. Because there is no racism in heaven, and there is no racism under the cross. Because Jesus died to make one new man. And if there is a group of people in the world who could stand up with love and humility and come together in unity, it is the church. Amen? It is the church. That black, white, no matter, rich, poor, no matter, that in Christ we are one people. Those are our brothers and sisters. We might not know them, but in Charleston, those were our brothers and sisters. You need to know that. And so we're going to pray for them uh, right now as we jump in this morning. So would you pray with me today 
God, we just come to you as I know thousands of churches across this country are praying right now for the Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. And God, as they are in services at this hour as we are, Father, I pray for them. They are hurting. They have, traced a, they have faced a tremendous act of suffering and terrorism, of racism. And God, with so many questions, we believe that you are the healer and that you are the unifier. And so, Father, I pray for those friends and family right now that, God, you would be their strength. Jesus, you said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And God, people mourn today. And so, God, we pray that you would comfort them. And God, just like those family members who boldly called the man who took those lives to faith in Jesus Christ, God, I pray that he would be saved. I pray that he would be saved. I pray that he would see that he is is far from you. God, that, that right now he is against you. And God, that he needs Jesus in his life. I pray that he would be saved. And Father, I pray for your church right now. I pray not only for this church, I pray for every church. I pray for every church in eastern Kentucky, and the world, that we would stand up against injustice. God, that we would be a witness, that we would be salt and light, and that we would be a picture of how Jesus can unify people who, apart from him, shouldn't have anything together, have nothing in common, but only Jesus in common, and that is enough. And so, God, I pray that we as a people, that no matter how young, how old, that, God, we would... Be filled with your love. Be filled with your love for people who are different than us, who might not look like us, who might not be in the same economic bracket that we are. God, who might live in a different kind of neighborhood. But God, that we would not, that not only this church, but God, your people worldwide, we would not look at the world and think those people. God, that we would look at every single person and see that every single person has a soul created with value, created with dignity, and that every single person needs Christ. And God, that's why we're doing this series, because we need to take this message that saved us, that's given us hope. We need to take it to the world. We need to take it to Hazard and to Perry County. We need to take it to Walkertown. We need to take it to every school. God, I pray that you would wake your church up. Because the world needs us to wake up. The world needs us to be on alert, on our knees, taking the message of Jesus to them in love. So God, I pray that today. God, I pray that you would speak to us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's exactly why we're doing this series. This series is called Fishing, because the world needs to know. The world needs to know that Jesus is the only way, that there's hope in Christ, that there's forgiveness in Jesus. The world needs to know that message. And so if you're thinking, why have we called it fishing? All right, maybe you missed last week. Austin just did an an amazing job. There he is. Can we just give it up for Austin, man? That was awesome. And I love it, man. Austin just said you need two things in your tackle box. You need the gospel and you need your story. And listen, he was nervous. That was his first time preaching. And listen, there is a reason that the number one fear people have, even before death, is public speaking. Did you know that? Like, if some people stood up here right now, you just pee all over the stage, right? You just lose all control, right? Especially with some of you all here, because I've been here for four years, and this is why some people in this audience have looked for four years. 
And so I just preach praying for your souls. That's all I do. I just pray for you, brother. Right? Right? But it's hard, man. So, man, that was awesome what Austin did last week, just talking about what needs to be in your tackle box. But the reason we're doing this series and we've called it Fishing is because of this verse right here, Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. And I need you to know that that's what he says to you today. I'm an introvert. Oh, it freaks me out. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He made you. He knows you're that way. He knows this is a struggle for me and for all of us. And he still says, I've called you to be a fisher of men. And so if I could just get one big, well, actually two ideas down, driven down into our church today, that would be amazing. And the first one is this. I want us all to say this loudly. Look here on your screen. I want you to re- repeat after me. Say, I am a missionary. I am a missionary. Not the guy next to me, you. Not the woman next to you, you. We are, if you're a Christian, you are a missionary, okay? Now, usually we think missionaries are who? Other people, not us, right? Because we're here, we're working, we're doing our thing. In America, missionaries go to other places. They live in grass huts, they eat bugs, right? Right? And they tell cannibals about Jesus, and they just hope they don't get eaten. That's what missionaries do. That's not what missionaries do, by the way. But you need to know, first and foremost, missionaries are not other people. It's you and me. If you're a Christian, Jesus calls you to be a fisher of men. That means we are missionaries. But today we're talking about how to find the best spot to fish. I mean, we've talked about bait, and we've said that the best bait is Jesus in you. We've talked about your tackle box, and we said you need two things. You need the gospel, and you need your story, what Jesus has done in your life. And today we're talking about the best spot to fish, and here it is. Listen to me. As fishers of men, as missionaries, the best spot to fish is where you are. The best spot to fish is where you are. Are. Because, see, we usually think of missionaries as other people. Here's what we think about when we think about missions. And maybe those are new words to you. Like I said, maybe you just came because it's Father's Day or whatever. You, you got invited and you don't have a church background. And, and listen, if, 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 if church and Jesus, this whole thing is new to you, man, I'm just excited that you're here. We're honored that you're here today. We started this church for you. Doesn't matter what questions you have or what you did last night. Man, we are excited that you're here because we believe that God's got something for you today. But if you have a church background, you're kind of familiar with those terms missionary and missions. Well, when we think about missions, what do we think? You got to get on a plane to do missions, right? You got to get in a bus. You got to get in a car. Missions is something that you do somewhere else. And listen to me, it is. But that's not all that it is. Because see, not only is missions something that you do in other places, missions is something that you and I do right here. See, because Hazard needs Jesus. Eastern Kentucky needs Jesus. So as missionaries, as fishers of men, the best spot to fish is right where we are. What's that mean? The best spot to fish is the school that you go to. The best spot to do missions, yeah, we're going to give you opportunities to to get on a plane and to go other places and to plant churches all over the world. We as a church, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But listen, the best spot to do missions is right there where you work right now. Best spot to do missions is when you go home this afternoon with your lost wife or your lost husband. Best spot to do missions is with your lost kids. The best spot to fish, if we are fishers of men, it is right where you are. You graduated high school, you're going to college. It's right where you go to college. You got a new job, it's right there. You lost your job and you're in the middle of a horrible situation. People are watching how you handle that situation and the best spot to fish is right there in the middle of that trial. 
The best spot to fish is where we are. Because as missionaries, we are on a mission to win the world for Jesus. Now, the question a lot of people have, though, is how do you do that? Easy to say, hard to do, right? How do you fish where you are? Well, there's four answers to that, four things that you and I need to see if we're going to fish where we are, if we're going to be missionaries on a mission. And to see that today, I want to read one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 17, okay? So go ahead and turn it on on your phone or whatever you've got, Acts chapter 17. And we're going to read verses 16 through 34, Okay, And this story is arguably one of the best missionaries that's ever existed in the history of Christianity, the Apostle Paul. Now, if you're new to the Bible, the book of Acts is a really long book. It's the story of how the church started and the message of Jesus spread. There's two main characters. There's a lot of characters, two main ones, Peter and this guy, Paul. All right, In Acts chapter 17, we're going to see Peter fishing where he is. We're going to see Peter, a missionary, on mission, right where he is. So I'm going to read this whole story. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, and I'm going to read all the way down through verse 34, and then to be honest, we're going to jump back and we're going to dig into this story today, all right? We're going to study the Bible today, all right? So Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. Words are going to be on the screen behind me if you need it. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day and those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, so Paul's going to begin to preach. He's going to begin to talk here. Watch this. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods of the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we indeed are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world for stealing fishing rods from churches. Oh, does it not say that? Sorry, my bad. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it's my translation. In righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of, watch this, now when they heard of the resurrection, some mocked him. 
Hey, listen, if you've ever invited somebody to church and they made fun of you for it, told somebody about Jesus, they made fun of you for it, you're in good company because they made fun of Paul. You can't lead everybody to Jesus. Some, yes, all, no. Will some people make fun of you? Absolutely, and you're in good company. But others said, watch this, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed him, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. If we're going to fish where we are, we need to see four things. Paul knew four things that enabled him to be a missionary on a mission, no matter where he was. And the first thing that he knew is that people are lost. If we're going to fish where we are, at your school, on your team, where you work, wherever, we need to know first and foremost, people are lost. See, Paul is in Athens, and what you need to know about Athens is that Athens was the center of civilization for the day. I mean, Athens was just a big, booming city that just set the culture and trends for the world then. You know, it's it's really like Washington, D.C., or New York City, or Los Angeles would be in America. You know, cities that we might not be close to, but cities that set cultural trends, and the world, obviously, follows those cities, well, Athens, when Paul is in the middle of it, this is, this is the equivalent of Paul being in Times Square. And Athens is the center of thought and philosophy for Paul's day. When Paul walks into Athens, there's statues and there's architecture. Unlike anything else in the ancient Near Eastern world, there's statues to gods that they worship. There's temples dedicated to various ideas of worship. Paul looked around Athens, saw that a lot of things were worshipped except for Jesus. So in the very first verse we read, it says that Paul was waiting for the other disciples. And as he looked around Athens, it says his spirit was provoked when he saw that the city was full of idols. What that means is that when Paul looked at Athens, he saw that people were lost and far from God and it bothered him. Church, it needs to bother us that people are lost. It needs to bother us that there are people within walking distance of our church who woke up today, didn't think about Jesus, didn't think about coming to our church. It needs to bother us that there are people around us far from God. The question is, does it? Does it? Does it bother you that people are lost? Now, see, we just need to pause right here, and I want to be really clear because I don't want to assume we're all on the same page. The Bible says that people without Jesus are lost spiritually. The Bible says that people without Jesus are not set up to have a bad day. The Bible says that people without Jesus aren't set up to maybe kind of have a bad future. No, the Bible says that people without Jesus are lost spiritually. They're living in darkness. They're lost. Like Austin talked about last week, our sin has separated us from God. And what that means is my greatest problem and humanity's greatest problem is sin. And our greatest need is to be reconciled to God. It's to have a relationship with God. And without Jesus, I'm living in darkness. Without Jesus, I have no hope. Without Jesus in my life, I am lost. That's what the Bible says. So eternity with Jesus, heaven, listen to me, heaven is not for good people. Heaven is not for moral people. Hey, lean in. Heaven is not for church people. Heaven is for saved people. 
Heaven is for people who at one time were lost, but because of God's mercy are now found. Heaven is for people who aren't better than anybody else, but, but, but what's happened is at some point in their life they've realized they need Jesus to save them, to forgive them. They've submitted to his lordship. They've said, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. Save me, forgive me, come into my life. He does every single time somebody asks him to do that, and they've given their life to Jesus. Heaven is for saved people. And after we die, oh, I need you. I'm trying to be so clear because I need you to get this. After we die, we don't get a second chance. After you die, an angel doesn't pull you into the corner and say, hey, you want to consider the Jesus thing again? Should. Listen to me. There is no such thing as purgatory. I'm not trying to start like battles or anything like that, but there's not should bother us that people are lost. The question is, does it bother you? This should be urgent on our radar that we've got to do something. Listen, if you went home today, if you went, I'm going to take some time on this point. If you went home today and saw your neighbor's house on fire, I'll tell you what you wouldn't do, unless you hate your neighbor. If you hate your neighbor, forget, what I'm, forget the illustration. If you went home today, you saw your neighbor's house on fire, here's what you wouldn't do. You wouldn't say this, oh, you know what, I should tell him But if I knock on the door, he might ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. So I'm not going to say anything. Oh, gosh, his house is on fire. I should tell him, but what if I tell him and he laughs at me? No, you would say, your house is on fire. Run. Get out. Get the kids. Get the dog. If you like the dog, get out of your house. It is on fire. You would do something. It's an urgent situation. Can I tell you, eternity is more urgent. See, that's a dramatic example because this is dramatic. People are lost. Your teammates without Jesus are lost. Your coworkers without Christ are lost. Your family members without Christ are lost. And that's not my opinion. That's what Jesus says. So if we're going to be missionaries on a mission, Paul goes into Athens. He looks around. These people are lost. But it leads into the second thing we need to see is that people are searching People are lost, but people are also searching for something. They're they're searching for hope. They're searching for salvation. They're searching for forgiveness. Paul saw this, and look at what he says in verse 22. He says, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, that would have been a group of men who were the leading thinkers in Athens, tells these group of men, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. He sees, all of, he sees all of these idols and these statutes built to other, other, other gods and all kinds of things they're worshiping. And Paul does not stand up on a street corner really loud and say, y'all going to hell. No, he walks right up and says, hey, you know what this says to me? It says to me that you're looking for something. They were looking for something so bad, they even built a statue and put an inscription on it to an unknown God in case we miss one. Paul says, hey, I see you're looking for something. In verse 28, Paul does this. Paul actually quotes their own poets, some poets that were really popular, people that would have, everybody would have known these poets, these songwriters during the day. They're not even Christian, and Paul quotes them to say, even these guys that you know their poems, you know their songs, these guys are searching for something. So in verse 28, he says, in him we live and move and have our being. That's not in the Bible. We don't even know who actually said that. But what we do know is that somebody that didn't know Jesus said it, but Paul quotes it to show, here's a poet that was really popular. You know all of his poems. You've downloaded them on iTunes. They're on repeat on your iPhone. And you know what? He is searching. 
He does it again at the end of the verse, for we are indeed his offspring. Lost people, people without Christ, everyone is searching for something. They're searching for hope, searching for salvation, forgiveness, second chance. It's everywhere. Listen to music, okay? Listen to music. And I'm not talking K-Love and, and Air One, as positive and, and encouraging as that is, all right? Just listen to music. What have most songs in the history of songs been about? Love, that's right, you win. The fishing pole, somebody took it. They weren't written about love. Now maybe they say wrong things about love, but most songs have been written about love. Why? Because you were created for it. You were created to know and experience the love of your creator for you. And people are searching for it. Go to a movie. Doesn't have to be a Christian movie. Just go to a movie. Don't care. Doesn't matter what your genre of film is. Watch any kind of movie. In most movies, somebody needs to be saved. There's some tension. Somebody needs some kind of redemption. Why? Because we all need redemption. We're all looking for it. People are searching. Your teammates are searching. They might not have put the God label on it, but every single time they go from sexual experience to sexual experience to sexual experience, they are looking for acceptance and peace and love that they can only find in Jesus. People are searching, but they also, number three, people need respect. People are lost, and people are searching. You need to know that people around you are looking for God, but they also need respect. I love, I love this verse. I love verse 18. Some of the Epicurean Stoic philosophers conversed with Paul, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? They start making fun of Paul. What's this babbler wish to say? And notice that Paul doesn't respond back. Babbler, psh, your mama? Talking about babbler, stupid. He doesn't do that. Paul doesn't say anything. Here's why. Because Paul knew that people are lost and they're searching, and all people need respect. I love 1 Peter 3.16. It's on the screen here. 1 Peter 3.16 says this. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you, but do it with gentleness. And what's the next word? Respect. Oh, my goodness. This is a, this is a lesson that the church, big C, not, some, not just ours, but big C, the church, the kingdom of God, this is something that the church needs to learn, how to talk about Jesus with gentleness and respect. See, because we live in a world that defines tolerance as if you don't agree with me on every single point, then you are my enemy. And you and I can't get along. And listen, if that's how we think, we will never win the world for Jesus. See, Jesus accepted people. Jesus accepted everybody, y'all. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Jesus hung out with gluttons and drunkards. He accepted everybody. He was friends with people that religious people wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Jesus accepted everybody but did not approve of sin in their life. Did you get that? Did you get that? Jesus accepted people but didn't approve. That's why Jesus is always calling people out. That's why Jesus is always confronting sin. He accepts but doesn't approve. Let me ask you a question. Is everybody that disagrees with you an idiot? If so, then we'll never win the world for Christ. People need respect. They're lost. They're searching. People need respect. And number four, they need us to speak. If we're going to be missionaries on a mission and fish where we are, at school, on the field, in the cubicle, at home, making dinner with your lost spouse, cutting your grass, neighbor walks over, if we're going to fish where we are. People need us to speak. 
And say, yeah, we need, yeah, we need to be careful. Yeah, we need wisdom. Yeah, there doesn't need to be any more jerks for Jesus. That job's taken by a lot of people, so don't be that guy. Okay? But you know what? Too many Christians are silent. And God can use a lot of things, but he cannot use silence. So Paul opens his mouth and begins to tell these people about Jesus. Romans 10, 14, so simple and so strong. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can your teammates hear? How can your friends hear? How can they hear unless someone tells them? I'm afraid I might say the wrong thing. Open your mouth and saying something that isn't 100% correct is better than saying nothing at all. Open your mouth and Jesus says in the moments when you don't know what to say, the Spirit of God will give you the words to say. But they need us to speak. See, the best spot to fish is where you are. Say this with me one more time. Say, I am a missionary We are missionaries, Summit, on a mission. We're missionaries on a mission. Can I just read to you two more verses? I just love these verses. Well, actually, one more verse. It's going to be on the screen. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. In the middle of Paul's sermon, Paul says this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Watch this. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. God determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. What's that mean? That means that it is not an accident you go to that school. But that God, by design, has you at that school. God, by design, has you where you work. God, by design, has you in that situation so that you can let your light shine, so that you can be salt and light in the middle of a dark world, so that you can fish where you are because people need Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where is your mission Can I answer it for you? It's where you are. Your mission is where you are, where you work, where you play, where you live, where you go to school, when you go to Walmart. We are a people on mission. Where is your mission? Because here's what I believe. And I don't care where you live, and I don't care where you work, and I don't care where you go to school. I don't care how dark you think it might be. I know four things about about your mission. I know that where you live, work, and play, people are lost, and they are searching, and they need respect, but they've got to hear us speak. The question is, are we going to do it? Does it bother us to the point that we will do something, that we say, Jesus, this is my mission, and I'm on it for your glory? Let me say this. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, You're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I'm saved. Or you're sitting there and you're saying, I know I'm not saved. Then you are Jesus' mission. He came for you. He died for you. So that you today, right here on Father's Day in this church, in the forum, you can give your life to Jesus Christ today. And you can be saved and you can leave different. Not perfect, but different forever. Would you stand with me and pray? Bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to pray. God, right now, lay on our hearts, bring to our minds the mission. Because we've been called. 
We've been called. We've been called to be fishers of men. We've been called to fish where we are. God, this week has reminded us that people are really lost and that the world is really dark. And Jesus, I thank you that you didn't run from the world, you ran to it. You ran to the mess. You ran to the darkness so that we could have life. And you call us to do the same thing. And so God, right now, I pray that you would show every teenager what their mission is. Let them see faces and names. I pray that right now you would let every adult see their mission, to see it. That it's those people. It's where I work. It's at that job. It's this guy that's lived next to me for 20 years. God, let us see the mission and be missionaries on that mission for your name. Amen. Would you look at me? All over this room while we were praying, there's four stations and people have put up signs that say, just just this simple idea, hashtag, where's my mission? Hashtag my mission. And here's what I'm challenging you to do. I'm challenging you in just a moment to make your way out of your aisle. There's baskets all over at all four areas. I'm challenging you to go there and you don't have to write your name, but write down what my mission is. If it's your your basketball team, your softball team, write that down. If it's your kids, write their name. If it's where you work, write down where you work. Write down your mission just to say, this is it. I've identified it. There's just something strong about writing it down and looking at it in the face and saying, you know what? That is my mission. And in Jesus' name, I will go. So I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, I'm inviting you to go here, here, and in the back two sections, right there in the back section, section, just make your way, grab a marker, and write down what your mission is. One, two, three. You move right now. Go. Just go right now. Don't wait. You lead the way. You lead the pack. Just go up to one. It's going to take a little bit, but I think it's worth it. Go right now. Go right now. If you already know, if it's that person, if it's your team, then you go. And there's tons of markers. You can spread them around there. We can have more people than one right. But I just think it's something, it sends a strong message to us as individuals. We say, here's my mission. It is identified. It has a name. It has a location. It has an address. And I'm going to go. And as soon as you are done writing on that board, make your way back to your seat and just pray for the people that you wrote down. Pray for what you just wrote down. Pray for your company. Pray for your boss. Maybe you've never prayed for your boss to be saved. Maybe you've talked to other people about your boss, complained about your boss. Today we're going to pray for him. Maybe it's your job. Go back and pray for your job. Make your way out of the aisle. I think it's just excuse me. Excuse me, let me through. It's only going to take a minute. I'm going to write it down. This is my mission. There are lost people there. There are people searching there for Christ people that need respect there. They need love in Jesus' name. I don't need me to judge them. They need love. But they do need me to speak. And it scares me to speak. So maybe while you're praying, you're asking God, God, give me the boldness that I need. God, give me the words to say, make your way to one of those boards right now. Say, this is my mission. This is it. This is it. People are still coming. People are still moving. You come, you move. And listen, teenagers or young people, if you're thinking this is only for adults, then you're wrong. This is got, I've, got, I've got you in mind today. 
got you on my heart today. Won't you make a move today? You're not too young for this message. Just come. This is my mission. seats to pray for what you wrote down. But I just want to ask you as we're in a spirit of prayer, in fact, let me pray for us right now. If you're in your seats, let's pray for a second. God, if there's somebody here today that needs Christ, that needs to be saved, I pray that right now is this moment. I pray that right now they would surrender their life to you. God, they're in a safe place. I'm not going to embarrass them or judge them or anything like that. But God, if somebody here needs Christ, God, I pray they'd make that move today. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, like I said, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or call you out or anything like that, but if you're here today and you want to be saved, you can be. It doesn't matter what your past is. Jesus loves you and you can be saved right now. I'm going to pray a prayer and if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ right now today, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. Thank you that you came for me. I give my life to you. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Amen. With every head bowed, no one is looking around. Did you just pray that prayer? Listen, if you just gave your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand high in the air. One, two, three. Just raise your hand and say, today I gave my life to Jesus. I prayed that prayer. I made that decision. You just raise your hand high right now. Listen, if you made that decision, I want you to look at it. Listen, don't leave until you tell somebody the decision that you made. And maybe you didn't make that decision, but you made another decision. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to take a next step. Maybe God's laid something on your heart. Don't leave until you tell somebody about it. And all you need to do is take that connection card that we gave you when you walked in, write it down in the prayer section. If you've got a prayer request, check the box that says, I gave my life to Christ. But listen, whatever decision that you made today. Don't leave until you tell somebody about it. God, I thank you that what was just written on these boards represents people with souls that need Christ. And God, I pray that, that God, from today, eternities would be different. Lives would be changed. That we leave with an awareness. Our inner alarm is going off because people need Christ. Help us to be bold this week and not just this week, for our lives. Father, we love you. Thank you that you came for us. God, we don't deserve it. Thank you that you love us and that you've given us grace. We ask all this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Amen. Summit, let's praise God for today. Let's praise God for decisions. And I really mean it. I believe that people are going to be impacted because of what you guys just wrote on these boards. Listen to me. I'm going to dismiss you here in just a second. Thank you for spending some of your Father's Day here. Next Sunday, I said this the first week of this series. Next Sunday, if this is your church, if you say, hey, Summit is my church, would you not miss next, next week? I, I've got something that I really want to talk to us about, just a really special message. Um, next, It's family. It, we're just going to have a talk next week. Um, nothing big or anything. Well, it's big, but nothing like, you know, nothing. don't think, oh, horrible circumstances. I just think that God wants to do something really unique in our church family next week. So don't miss it. 
all right? And if you know somebody that goes here, they're not here, get them here next week. Hey, guys, I love you. Oh, yeah, by the way, tonight my life group is not meeting because of Father's Day, so you guys can spend the day with your family. We'll be back here next week. Love you guys. You're dismissed.